Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel, and in the studio with me today is special guest Wes. How you doing? <laughs> Megan is out with a family situation right now, so I brought in uh, Wes, who is literally backed by popular demand. Y'all loved Glad him. Glad to be back. I'm tickled. Yes, so we're we're happy to have you here. And this is a little bit of a different episode because we do have um, on the phone a special guest. We have a Michigan Department of Corrections officer and author, James, is on the line with us today. If you'd like to pop in and say hi, James. Hi, how are y'all doing? Uh, hopefully, they're doing fabulous because they are listening to Crime Curious. So we're, there's a little tradition, James, that we have to do that was started um, basically by our <laughs> our lovely listeners sending us some real weird shit. <laughs> but we have like started this tradition where we shake. I'm currently holding raccoon penis bones in my hands and we shake. I shake that before each episode for good luck. And Wes is holding a kangaroo scrotum that is filled with crystal Crystals, yes. penises. Yes. yes, yes. So um, it's just been, it's, it's turned into kind of a funny thing, funny tradition that we do here. And Megan and I have discovered when we don't do it, things go wrong. Stuff doesn't get recorded the way it's supposed to. And um, so, yeah, we definitely make sure that we shake our gree-gree before every episode just to set it off with the best juju. <laughs> so... All right. We really appreciate you taking the time to be on today. Um, As I was saying before we hit the record button, so often when we end our cases, you know, it's either ended with, okay, and this is an unsolved case and this person, my murderer is still out there. Or we're like, and the judge sent the bad guy to prison. But then we don't talk about the people that have to deal with these bad guys with the murderers that we talk about, you know, every episode, um, that you still have, they, they're still alive. They still have to be dealt with by another human being on a daily basis. And I don't think that we raise enough awareness or like draw enough attention to that or really bring, no, bring awareness of like, what is it like to then be the person who has to have the daily interactions with these people? So, Tell us, tell us about yourself. How did you get into the Michigan Department of Corrections? How did this all unfold for you? Well, um, the first thing I have to say is, you know, because we'll be talking about it, uh, I have to put a disclaimer out there that anything I say, whatever opinions I may have, does not necessarily reflect that of the department. Sure. So all my opinions that I say here are my own. Yep, yep. Just a disclaimer I just put out there. So, well, I've always been interested in uh Crime. I've been always been an avid reader of it. Crime, crime fiction, true crime, and so I just kind of gravitated toward um, learning more about that type of uh, type of life. And 
So I ended up going to college. I was majoring in criminal justice because I always wanted to be a cop. And then I ended up uh, applying for a job as an officer with the Michigan Department of Corrections. Um, so I kind of put college on, well, at that time, I put it on hiatus, which means that means I wasn't ready to say I dropped out. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I applied. I went through the academy. You know, it was uh, an eight-week academy. It was probably uh, the, you know, some of the best and worst times I've had. You know, just, oh, you know, yeah. the, the PT could get annoying. But yep. then, you know, you know, I, I, our platoon was so small, we actually, like, were really close with each other and stuff. So it was kind of like we were, like, our own little club, really. And mm-hmm. then uh, from there, I went and I worked uh, – they assigned me a prison to work at. I can't really say which one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been there for almost eight years now. Wow. Oh, great. What do you think, what's the, the biggest challenge that you face in your job? I'd say the biggest challenge from is uh, kind of the mental strong will, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's, being able to go in there and not let the place get to you so much. I mean, obviously you're in a prison, so you're dealing with largely a negative atmosphere. You know, you're, oh, yeah. you're, you're dealing with hundreds of individuals that are in prison. Some of them for many years, many of them will not go home. Many of them have been in there a long time already. Um, you know, it's a, it's a high stress environment. You really don't know what's going to happen when you go in there, I mean, you know, it, it, my first day going in there, I was scared, but after, after my first day, I was fine. Like I I walked in, I said, okay, whatever happens, I will deal with it. Um, it's always in the back of your head that something can happen, but you just kind of learn to treat it like a switch. Like I agree with that. I spent so many times yeah, I've spent so many times where I can sit in a, you know, we call them housing units. I can sit in a housing unit with my partner and we can literally spend, you know, aside from doing our duties, we can spend hours just, you know, talking about whatever topics, sports, movies, politics, whatever we want to talk about. Um, and sometimes we can go the whole day and just have pleasant conversation, doing our jobs. And other times you just hear that call on the radio. We got to fight mm-hmm. somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And the switch turns on and you say, okay, I'm going, you know, I'll say to my partner, Hey, I'm out. Meaning I'm going to respond. Or he might say it first, whoever gets out the unit first, right. one has to stay. Right. Um, and honestly, it's, you know, those situations are tense there. You know, you don't know what you're going into, but what's interesting about that is, and I think it's probably one of the best things of working there is that, when you're, you know, th- there's there's so many different personalities that wear the black and gray. Um, you're not going to get along with everybody. Right. No, it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're not going to get along with everybody. There's some people you're just not going to like. There's some people that they're going to be your best friends. And there's some that are just going to be, man, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't even say hello to them on the street. Right. But when it comes down to something's going down, we forget about that immediately. And it's, it's go time. Yeah. And that's something we always stressed you, in law enforcement also is 
I don't give a shit if you like this guy or not. When it comes down to it, you back each other up. Right. Exactly. You know, cause at the end of the day, like, you know, and I, I stress this to some new guys. I tell them, I said, listen, you know, you can enforce whatever rules you want. You can find as much stuff as you want. You can talk to, well, you, you can choose how you'll interact with the prisoners. Um, however you wish, go ahead. But when it comes down to it, if the situation, if there's a fight or somebody's getting hurt and you freeze, a lot of that goes out the window. Oh, yeah. Right. Definitely. Right. You know, like at, at that point, I don't care how many guys you wrote misconduct reports on. If you froze when I was getting hurt, right. I have nothing for you. Right. That's right. How, and that's how you remember other officers. If they choke or don't respond, that's what they become known for. Right. And you just, after a certain amount of situations, you know, you, you just become used to a, a, a particular role. So, okay, a fight goes down in another unit. You hear it. You hear it on the radio. You respond. You run to that incident. Immediately you assess what one role you have to do. You have one job. And you have to figure out immediately what job that is. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Right. So I, I run into a fight. Okay. By the time I get there, um, the two inmates are, 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 are on the ground. They were told to get on the ground. Okay. I go, I put handcuffs on one of them. Another officer comes with handcuffs on the other guy. Other officers come in, they assess the situation, look around and watch the other prisoners that are in the area. You know, it was, yep. it, everybody has one job to do. Yep. If you tase them, you don't cuff them. Mm-hmm. You keep the stays around. If you cuff them, then, then you can escort them. Or one of the other officers will say, okay, I got them. You stay and whatever, deal with whatever you got to deal with, you know? And it's, it, you know, it's very coordinated. And, yeah. it, you know, so you, you accept that things can happen. Okay. And you just, you know, and you prepare, you know, eventually after a while, you just, it kind of becomes like second nature to you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I liked what you said about a switch because it's almost like you flick a switch. Like you can be, you know, talking and joking and then shit goes down. And it's just like that, you know, you, you flick a switch and boom, you're on. Right. Exactly. Do you, you know, I mean, do you guys, do you have a lot of contact with the, um, you know, the people that are, that you're, you know, with the prisoners, with um, like the unit, just kind of, Explain for me. Do you just have like a certain block that you're in charge of with your partner each day? Well, it depends on which officer. I mean, th- there's so many different areas of a prison that yep. that an officer will work. The officer, you know, like the most popular ones are the housing units and the yard areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll have officers that work up front in control centers. You'll have officers that'll, you know, monitor the visiting room that will deal with, you know, the general public. Um, sure. You know, and, and uh, you'll have officers that will work buildings where they have the programs and uh, the, the, the infirmary, the, the kitchens, or we call them the chow halls. So <laughs> there's always an officer around. Yep. Right. Yep. The and re- go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. And, um, you know, the, the, the primary job anywhere is custody and security. Mm-hmm. Though, you know, you may have, certain differences in what you need to do to ensure the security of the area that you're working in, you know, where you might have to look, if you have to 
uh, search prisoners or if you have to um, respond to certain situations, you know, and depending on where you work, you know, you know, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's all relatively the same. You're making sure that everybody's safe and secure, whether they're right. yourself, partners, custody staff, um, you know, uh, state workers, staff, or, um, you know, the, the general public, they come in. So, yeah, I mean, I myself, I have uh, preferred areas that I like to work in. Um, you know, I like to work with a lot of the people that are, we call them non-custody, um, because it's, you know, I, I, I work and I associate with officers all day. So it's nice for me to talk to other state workers that are not necessarily officers to kind of get like a perspective on how their jobs are. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Well, the reason I had asked that question is because I, I often wonder is as a corrections officer, you know, do you guys know what they were, what they're in for? And do you ever feel conflicted about like, you know, personality wise, I really, I get along with this person. Like, I can't believe that they're in for that crime. And like, I just wondered how that can kind of conflict just being humans and humans have a natural, uh, ability to want to connect with one another. And so I've always been curious about, what that must be like in a, a prison environment. It's a whole different world in there, you know? And so, well, of course, you know, you're in it every day, but you know, it, but other people might not realize like it is an entirely different hierarchy of yeah. systems in there. Totally it's, different. it's a totally different world. And so I was curious if you've ever found yourself like, man, that dude's pretty cool. I can't believe he's in here for, you know, this or, or if you're just like, you know, try to maybe, uh, stay standoffish a little bit, stand, you know, from connecting with, with the prisoners or things like that. Those are just some of these people that we cover on the podcast. I'm always like, damn, I wonder what they were like when they went to prison, right. you know, were they a pain in the ass for everybody or were they, whoops, were they okay? I just definitely hit my microphone with my water bottle. Sorry about that. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> Thank you. So gracious. <laughs> <laughs> well, to kind of jump in there, we have a guy that, that we sent on a homicide and talking to some, some guys from DOC, they're like, he is the nicest guy in the world. Helpful. One of our best inmates. And you'll hear that a lot. Yeah. And especially like with some, yeah. uh, you, you will, like we had another guy that was in for a homicide and he was just polite and didn't want to leave. You know, we had him in our jail, and he's wow. like, can I just stay here? Oh, wow. <laughs> you yeah. Know, also, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of the confliction yeah. of it all, because I think I was saying in a previous episode we recorded today, we're never just all one thing, you know? So, like, you can be a murderer and also, like, donate to a children's school or something, you know? Like, right. it, it's it's very fascinating how humans are, and I just always wondered, like, how that might be for a worker that if you work in the same unit, the same area every day and you get to know all of these people, you're like, man, that's the gravity of it, of like, you will probably never see the outside world again and take and participate in it. But like in here, you know, we're really chill with each other and we can get along, you know, that, that I would, I just wondered, does that weigh on you? You know, is that, is that all a part of it, of, of that switch, you know? Just being, um, yeah, being around these individuals, yeah. it can. I mean, you know, we do have access to, um, the, 
any uh, individual that is incarcerated um, in a Michigan prison, you can actually there, there's there's a, a a public website where you can look up their name um, and find them and see what exactly their yep. felony convictions were. Yep. I mean, it won't say, you know, for for, for those for those that are not aware, it, it it won't say they robbed, you know, somebody's grandmother. It'll just say armed robbery or something like that. Yep. Um, I have I have used it before, um, and so the place I work at, we have all kinds. I mean, we have guys that are in there because they, you know, have drinking problems and they, they were driving and we have guys in there that have killed people. Mm-hmm. And, um, me personally, I think it depends on the officer. Some, you know, like there, some officers, I tell them, I, like, if you're the type, the type of person that will hold it against them, I recommend you don't look up what these guys are in for. Absolutely. Me, I, me, I'm able to compartmentalize mm-hmm. because most so most of the public world can say, okay, you know, uh, uh, you know, Joe Schmo killed uh, some guy. He's a horrible person. Hope he whatever spends the rest of his life in prison. You know, I hope I never see him in the world. You know, he's you know he's a scumbag. But us, you know, if we meet Joe Schmo, we have to realize like we're not. We're not like the rest of the people that can think about the victim. We're because we're dealing with the right. perpetrator, right? And exactly. so, so we can't really, you know, treat him like he's whatever, like, right. like he's the like he's right. the scum of the earth. Because at the end of the day, you know, respect is currency in the prison. Yeah. Me when I go yeah. in there, you know, yeah, when I go in there, if I don't know their name, I'll address them as sir, sir, or you know. Good sir, how you doing today? I talked to them with the utmost respect. Yep. And you know, and if I've known for a while, but you know, Smith, Johnson, how you doing today? Mm-hmm. You know, things of that nature. Um, and I just kind of, I'm always aware of the fact that they are in here for a reason, and that some of them are very violent. Um, you know, and you just kind of, I don't know, you you. You can talk to them like like regular people, but you have to understand like this person cannot be your friend. Right. right. Like they're, they're right. never gonna, they're never going to be your buddy. Yep. You know yep. you can have a conversation with them. Yeah, I saw that new Avengers movie. It was right. great. It was oh yeah, 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 yeah. They they had us see it in the in the unit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Iron Man was awesome. Yeah. Um. <laughs> right. But you you, you know, have to treat them like a human. I mean, I right. it, what you're describing just really sounds like. There, it's, it is my job to still treat them like a human because at the end of the right. day, no they, matter what they human. did, they are still human. But and they I, are going home. Right, right, yep. Most of them are going home one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have met a couple guys that I had seen in prison. But when it comes up, you know, but the way, so when I go in there, I understand I have a certain amount of authority. And... I understand that my authority extends only to within the walls of the prison and that out there in the world we're, you know, the, the, I don't have authority over you. You don't have authority over me. Right. You know, we're just two regular people. Mm-hmm. So I remember that when I, when, when I see these guys around, I say, okay, you know, I'm not going to say, you know, you're, 
whatever. You deserve every bad thing that happens to you. No. Mm-hmm. I just I talk to you with respect. If I have to enforce a rule on you, I'll enforce a rule on you. And I'll try to give you as much respect as I can about that without, you know, being, you know, uh, uh, kissing your butt and all that. I'm right. kind of curse. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, you can yeah, curse You'll be okay here. if you'd like to, yes. <laughs> it's hard because I speak the prison language. You know, oh, yeah, go, language. yeah, go for it. We yeah. understand. <laughs> yep. Now, do you find, and I've seen it with our jail, I've seen it with officers, who they become, they almost see them as their friends, and that becomes a, a definitely a, a safety issue or a liability? It can be. Um, that's why, you, you know, you there's always a line that you cannot cross with them. Right. I agree. Um, you know, and it, you know, and it, it can be difficult sometimes because a lot of these guys will show their better traits. Of course. Or some of them are just, you know, sometimes they are generally nice guys, yeah. but right. at yeah. the same time, you know, you have to understand like, you know, there's your role and there's theirs. It's not, it's nothing personal. Right. And if you want friends, you have plenty of, staff members that you can become friends mm-hmm. with right um you know just i've seen so i've seen a lot of stories where officers have gotten caught up with guys that just and you know that they have used them oh, and sure. so i always i always keep that in the back of my head like i tell people i tell like like newer officers i said you kind of have to watch some of these guys differently like a lot of these guys like yeah i mean they're all capable of getting into a fight or getting high or getting hurt or hurting you. Yes. But once you kind of come to know some of them, you watch them in different ways. Right. Okay. So that makes sense. You'll watch, yeah. you'll watch this guy that's acting like a thug and is being a jerk. Okay. So he's, he might cause a disturbance. He might get into a fight. He might smoke, smoke some dope and you have to resuscitate him or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you see this other guy that, been in prison for 20 years and he's always been quiet and he's the unit porter and he's you know whatever and he and he's a nice guy he's funny does his job and you think of wow you got to watch that guy differently yeah, because exactly. yeah he's probably not going to go or well he could but you know you're kind of watching to see what he's going to say to you mm-hmm. and that's happened to me a couple times where you know i've known some of these guys for years and sometimes they'll say Hey, Michael, can you do me a favor? I was like, well, what kind, what kind right. of favor? What, we, right. are, are, what are we asking? Right. Are like, we I can do tell you, you what the weather is to, today. <laughs> right. You need to call health care because you have a headache? Right. Or, you know, right. Oh, can, can you go on, you know, uh, 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 I'm, I'm looking for my brother. I think he's incarcerated. Can you find out what prison he's in? No, I can't do that. Right. Oh, you really can't do that? I won't tell. Yeah. No. Right. I'm no, I'm not going to look up your brother on whatever final prison he's in. You can find out through your family or whatever. Right. Don't yep. Don't yep. ask me for that. And there's other avenues, yeah. Right. And that's where it is. And and it's just funny because um you know, some of these guys they you know, you have to be careful because some of them have been in prison for so long that a few of them get so affected by it they think that because you're not barking at them that you may say, uh, good morning, Johnson. How you doing today? And they might think you're their friend now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, because right. they're so Just used to you're treating them like, like a human. Oh, 
control. You know, and, yep. and a lot of a lot of female employees have had trouble with that because a lot of these guys again will Ugh. not everybody, but some of them have that mentality where because, you know, they may smile and say good morning, he thinks that they're There's something, yeah. Yep, that, that they're that attracted they're to him. Them. Yes, yeah. Yes. Trust me, yes. that happens on the outside yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I can I can see how that would be a, a huge um huge problem. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just think that it would be, it would be really difficult to know when, um, just to be cautious, to not get caught up in like possible manipulation tactics as well. And using the fact that, you know, you do have to treat them like they're human and, and kindly essentially, because first of all, if you went in there every single day and treated them like you were a dick, you're going to create your own reality in that every day for you is going to suck because they're going to do what they can to get back at you for treating them like that. You know, I mean, what you put out is what you get back. And so you very much, I mean, I don't know how many sex offenders that I've had interviews that I've, you know, been investigating and I, I know what they are capable of, but I have to sit here and, and talk. Play nice. Yeah, you do. You have to really play nice with them and let them think that, you're their friend, right? right? To keep the peace, to get go through your your case, what what you need to do, you know. And I imagine for you, sometimes it can be very much the same way of just like, I I'm going to be respectful here, even if you're triggering me a bit, because I, we got to get along. Like I, at the end of the day, I got to get to my end, the end of my shift and be able to go home safely, you know. Um, that could just well, that's be why, hard, right? And and that's why you know, cause I, again, I deal with guys that they will get hostile and they'll say something sideways. And you know me, I was, I was okay. With, uh, I was okay. The way you know, F you. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It, it, right. It, it, that's how you feel, you know, right. as you're walking out the door, yep. as you're walking away from me. Right. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll think about that when I go home. Right. right. Well, that's just it. Like you can't take it personal, but you some know? guys do correct right. me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I, you know, cops and, and, corrections officers, there are guys that everything is a personal attack mm-hmm. or they so much look down on these people there. It's hard for them to do their job efficiently. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and a lot of that's insecurity, you know, there are, there are certain officers that can be insecure and they, you know, I, I tell them, I said, I don't really, I don't really care about the inmates respecting me because I'm just not too concerned about that. Like, like <laughs> I, I don't care if you respect me, it, yep. you know, but if I have to enforce a rule, you're going to do it if it's a reasonable order. Right. And if you refuse, then there's going to be a, you know, a repercussion for that. Right. There's a protocol for it. It really has nothing to do with you right. personally. It's that we're going to follow policy and protocol here. And so this, <laughs> you know, and they kind of, right. I would imagine, make the determination of what path and what policy and protocol you follow, <laughs> Right. you know, based and, on and, their interactions. Right. And I tell people, like, don't, again, don't take it personal. Like, when, if you go in there and somebody calls you a name or whatever, you know, they usually fall within one of three different types of people. Either they are a new, some new young kid that's very young, 18, 19, 20. He's in prison. He thinks it's funny and he just hasn't grown up yet. He's got a lot of growing up to do. You know, he's just trying to, impress his buddies and impress whoever in the prison, you know, and then there's some guys that typically wouldn't say anything. They're just having a, a particularly right. a bad day 
Um, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, he's probably just having a bad day. Never had a problem with him before. Having a rough time. And then there's just a lot of guys that, you know, the guy's been in prison, back to prison five or six times. Right. Yeah. Like, now, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not judging anybody's worth, but I'm not going to, you know, a, a guy like that that seems to be making the same mistakes five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times in a row. Right. Habitual. I mean, me, I'm constantly working on bettering and building myself mm-hmm. every single day. So I'm more secure in myself. I'm not too worried about this guy right. saying I'm, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. you're, you're this, you're that. It's like, you don't even know me, dude. Yep, right. yep you, exactly. Right. And, and, then you, and then you got to look at his mentality because, you know, I've had guys, I've guys that, that, you know, I was, I was working in, uh, in one area. I had to fire one guy one time from his job because he kept coming into work drunk or coming in late. Mm-hmm. I said, you're fired, you know? And he said, um, you know, I, I, I told him, Hey man, you know, you're fired it is what it is. You got to go. He's like, why are you talking to me like that? Why are you talking to me like that? And I, and I said, you know, and, 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 and I thought about that. I, I said, you know, this guy just got fired from his job because he was walking in at 7 a.m. drunk. And his problem, the battle he's choosing to fight, is that he didn't like that I told him he had to leave um, the, the, right. the workplace. Not that, you know, like. Not, yeah, you know, not, not that he was fighting. showing up he's drunk right. at 7 o'clock like, like, in the morning. <laughs> Right, like, like you deal with guys that have that 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 mindset because you realize that a lot of these guys, the reason they're in prison is not because of what they did, it's because of how they think. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's true. exactly. You know, and yeah. that, and that's that's and that's one of the things when I you know I see some guys, you can kind of tell like, I mean, I've, I've met some guys. You know, you have conversations with some guys. I've met some dudes that have had some pretty serious charges, and we talk, and they. You know, they seem, they seem, again, you never know, but they seem genuinely remorseful. Yeah. They seem to have really broken that mentality that put them in prison. And it's like, you it, know. Like they've learned the lesson. The lesson has, has you know, yeah. and they're evolving and, beyond it. Or right. And you're mm-hmm. taking responsibility for their actions. Right. Right. Or, you know, and then you can see others where you, they're just not ready. Right. They're just not ready. And, and they'll it's be like, back. And, and, and <laughs> right. And, and that's why I say it's like, you know, it's not because you stole a car that you, that, that you're going to be, you know, that you're going to be staying in prison. It's not because you robbed a bank that you're going to stay in prison. It's because of the way that you're, that you're not changing your mentality. Right. Right. I won't hold against you, whatever you did to get put in jail. No, I won't hold that against you. Okay. You robbed the liquor store. Okay, you know, it doesn't make you the devil. Right. But you're but you're walking around, you know, as soon as you get a job, you screw it up or you you're 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 using it as a way to steal mm-hmm. or you're or you're getting the conflict with the supervi- with mm-hmm. a supervisor, whether it's an officer or whoever, you're argumentative. It's like with all due respect, they don't get paid a whole lot with the job. Because yeah. I work in a lot of areas where I see the inmates working jobs, but the way that they that that, that they act is like this is the easiest job you're going to have, bro. Right, right, right. exactly, job. exactly. We, you woke up and we told you you're going to be working here today. <laughs> right. right, right, exactly. And 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 a lot of you guys 
can't do that. Yeah. Now, maybe part of it is just because you were never taught that, you know. Right. But it's like, I, I, I got to tell you, dude, it's not going to be easier when you get out of here. No. Right. Well, and especially. It's not I, going to be easier. I think that people get wrapped up. I was recently having this conversation <laughs> uh, with my, I have four teenage boys and we were having a conversation about like low vibrational people, right? Like people that just really bring the vibe down because they're the victim all the, all time, the time of every circumstance. Yeah. And those are the people that refuse to evolve. They won't take accountability. They won't get out of that victim thinking and just elevate themselves, right. you know? And I feel like that's like what you're describing of like, you can tell the difference of the people who have completely taken accountability. They've learned from their mistakes and they're elevating themselves, yep. right? They're not operating as on such a low vibe now. And, and then you can tell the people that it's like, you'll be back in here because you again. can't I'll handle you this. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you're stuck in that victim mentality. It's never your fault. It's everybody else's, you know, it was the officer that arrested you. It was oh, the yeah. judge who put you yeah, here. How many you know? times on the street? Well, if, you know, if they wouldn't have arrested me, I would have been able to do this. Yes. I would have kept my job. Or I wouldn't have lost my family. Yep. Yep. Never taken it, you know, never accountability for what they did that got yep. them there. Yep. So I feel like that's kind of what you're describing of like, you can tell you get, you know, you can, everything is energy and you can feel that energy coming off from the people that are like legitimately have a chance when they get out and that they've learned from it. And, and the people who maybe haven't or have a hard time, they're going to have more lessons to learn. Right. <laughs> you know, I know one guy, I, I, I remember one guy, I can't say his name. Um, but he, it was his second to last day before he was going home. Um, he got a parole, and it, I mean, he like he, he was leaving within forty eight hours, mm -hmm. and he's in he's in the dining room and he's arguing with one of the food service um, workers, uh, a, a regular employee, not not prisoner, regular employee, over his food, <laughs> and. I told him, I, I, I told him, I said, dude, like, why are you arguing with them? Right. Well, yeah. because, well, because it's like, dude, you just said you're leaving in two days. Right. In 48 you're hours, you're not even going to eat this yeah, food don't, anymore. Don't fuck it well, up. In, in, yeah. in 48 hours, in 40 hours, you can have a steak in your belly. Right. right. You, you're worried about, about. You didn't like how this, whatever, how the how how your food was cooked. Right, right, exactly. And 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 and, and he he had actually had his uh, uh, parole held off for a while because he had gotten into a fight Shit. that I had to write him up for. Yeah. And he blamed. And he said, "Why'd you write that? Why'd you write that ticket on me? You got into a fight." Right, right. exactly. <laughs> you fought. So yes. like, what, why did you? And, it's not my and then, fault. Anyway, so, right, and then so later on, he has that. And, situation he gets out um he was still on parole and he got involved in a robbery and somebody died and he wasn't he hadn't been out he hadn't been out a year and wow. now he's doing and now he's doing a considerable amount of time sure. in in he's been, he's not in prison i work at but he's doing a considerable amount of time um like my children will be will will probably be having children of their own by the time that he gets out. Yeah, and my yeah. children are toddlers. Talk right. talk about self destructive yeah. personality traits. And he's my age. Yeah, and he's my age. Yeah, you know, it's all yep. parallel. Yep. 
And there are some people, and not just people in, in prison or people that we deal with as law enforcement, but like they're they always have to be right. And if they and they yeah. they're like they just have to have that battle. That it's fight. like it's a personal violation yeah. to their soul if they aren't right. Right. You know, and, and it, it it's destructive. I mean it just completely oh, yeah. it can unravel people. it does. It does. Yeah, it doesn't surprise well, me to see that self-sabotage, though. Um, I do think that sometimes people panic, too, when they're about to get out and will create conflict just from their own anxiety of, like, shit, I haven't been out on the outside in a long time. What's it going to be like, you know? Sure, it's got to be tough. Yeah, and kind of create their own problems that way, too. My theory on that has been just the – I don't think a lot of them have um, – you know, a, a lot of these guys did not grow up with – everything handed to them or anything handed to them. Right. Um, so I, I believe a lot of it is an insecurity issue, the way that they are and that, you know, they're not, they don't, they, 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 they don't have, they don't know what that feeling of accomplishment is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a driving force yep. for, for everybody. Right. Um, like I said, I, I'm constantly looking for things to, myself and better myself every single day and i have a long list of accomplishments i feel very secure about myself right so i don't let too many things that these guys say bother me yeah. but you know a, a lot of them just haven't really done much in their well sure time that's on a, yeah that's planet. an excellent and, point yeah for sure yeah and so, they come so out of, they that, come out of prison and come back into those same shitty situations home life not being able to get a job you know friends they associate with Yep. So speaking right, of your exactly. uh, speaking of your accomplishments, um, I understand that you recently released a book. Yes, that's actually true. Um, I actually released my fourth book back in January. Okay, wow. it was your it was your fourth. I knew it wasn't your first, but I couldn't remember what we talked about. Okay, tell us about that journey. So, okay, so um, my story with that it, it's funny. Uh, when I was when, when I first started with the department, I didn't know where I was actually going to go. Um, I didn't know if I was going to promote or use as a stepping stone. And just as time goes by, um, I was there and I realized that I really didn't want to be, like, I wanted to become a regular uh, police officer on the street, but just working there for so long, I realized I really didn't want to um, become one because of the, and, and, and the main reason is nothing against police, of course, but, you know, I've, I've seen enough situations and enough hypothetical situations where if the use of force has to be needed and it's drilled into us, you know, the use of force, like, did you, you know, did you use the adequate amount of force um, necessary to handle the situation? Did you use too much? Mm-hmm. Did you use not enough? Mm-hmm. Um, and being, I, I just felt like, ironically, being a corrections officer, again, this is my opinion, being a corrections officer, I felt safer. Um, because I felt like there was less factors in this dangerous situation than there would be out in the street. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, for sure. That's a very fair point. Yeah. So, so there I am, but see, then then I started having, I started having kids and, um, my, my goal was to go to first shift. So, which is, you know, I'm working early in the morning and I get out in the afternoon. So I'm, I started to have kids. I'm, I'm building a family. So, uh, you know, and when you promote, sometimes they will send you to another shift. 
So okay. you promote to stars and lieutenant, and they'll say, hey, congratulations. But, you know, the only spot available is on midnight, so you have to go work midnight. Right. And, you know, so I said, well, I can't really promote up. Um, I don't have a college degree, so there's not, there wasn't much open to me. So I started saying, okay, well, well you know what? You know, I'm going to be at this place for a while. I like this job. That's fine. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of look around and see what I can do to just to build myself up as a person, learn a language. You know, I, maybe I'll learn a language. Maybe I'll pick up a sport. Maybe I'll write a book. <laughs> there you go. So, uh-huh. I will, so I'd always been an avid reader, and but I was never a writer. Like, like I'm not a child prodigy or anything like that. I didn't, you know, I haven't been writing since I was two. Um, you know, I was 25 when I started doing this. And I said, you know what? I want to write a book. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a book. Um, and I remember when I was a teenager, I actually did start writing one. That, that, that was one time. I did start writing a book, but I never finished it. And I thought back about that. I thought back to that moment. And I said, okay, this time I'm going to finish this book. Yeah. But I thought it was going to be a one-off. Mm-hmm. So I started writing the book, which would eventually be my debut novel, Ice Rising. And... I realized I was going to turn it into a series and then I had other ideas to write about as well. So I realized that for me, I had found what I never really, that I want part of me that I felt was missing, which was what was my natural talent? What am I good at? Mm-hmm. You so found your higher path. Is, right. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I've been writing ever since then. It's been five years and I've published four books now. I'm writing a fifth one and yeah, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, it sounds like it. And and also, I love how you pointed out, I was not a writer. Right. Like, so many times I think humans are held back by creating an identity with themselves of what they're not. What they can't And do. what they can't do. Or what they are like, well, I'm really anxious, so I can't do this. Right. Right? Like, I love that you're like, I wasn't, I didn't identify as a writer, but I have now wrote four books going on my fifth one that goes to show people, like, you can literally, we're here to create. We're, we're here to learn lessons, create, have a journey. There is nothing stopping you except for yourself. Yeah, we're usually our own worst enemy. We are all all the time. So I love this for you that you could recognize like, shit, I want to do something that elevates myself and I'm going to write a book. So let's give this a try. Tell So tell us about <laughs> the series. I, I really, really love this story because I think it's just a great message for other. There are listeners right now that are going you know, I've really thought about doing this, that, or the other right. thing, and I've let fear or I've let the fact that I'm not stop me. Hold me back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Well, of course. So um, the the first book that I wrote was called uh, Ice Rising, and um, I had no idea where I was going to go with this book because <laughs> all of my writing, I pretty much shoot from the hip. Even I don't know what's going to happen next. Okay. Um, yep. But Ice Rising tells the tale of this young man called Alexander Lincoln, grows up in a uh, you know a, a rough area, with but with a solid family. And being the oldest son, he's taught to protect those that he loves and stay off the street, which he does for a while until he's involved in a drive-by that claims the life of one of his friends. So he has a little bit of survivor's guilt, and he decides to join one of the gangs in town to protect those that he loves. But mm-hmm. coupled with that is this own uh, talent of 
for business. He's got a great business mind. Could have been a CEO. Instead, he uses his intellect to further his criminal exploits and rise in power. Mm. So the first book of the series is his initial rise through the streets. You know, he's learning how to survive out there. Um, and then I actually wrote the second book, Ice Rising, which is actually the third book I wrote. Um, but since we're on the subject of the series, I'll, I'll talk about that one first. And uh, Ice Box was a total change in setting. So instead of being on the street, Ice is now behind the walls of prison. Okay. Oh. And and this is where and this is where my experience has made it very easy to <laughs> right. write a book. Right. Um, yes. This, that's good though. They do say good. you yeah. should write what you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and so and 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 I, I tell my readers that it is in a different state. Um. Just to again because of our respect for the department, uh, it, it's not you know it's none of it takes place in Michigan or anything like that. Right. Nothing that can be reflective of the department or anything like that. Um, but one of my, so anyway, ice is cause, cause that's his street name. Ice hence mm-hmm. the commonality of the titles. Ice ends up in prison. He has to do a little bit of time. His plan is to stay out of trouble, whittle the time away, get parole, get back to work, you know, get, get back to the streets and get back to work. Well, the problem is, is that he gets contact from people on the outside who basically tell him, listen, you made a lot of money for us out here. Everybody's happy, but only a matter of time before somebody tries to replace you. So you have to figure out how to make some money while you're in there to keep them loyal to you. So now he's got that problem, and coupled with that is that he has enemies from the outside that he's now locked up with. Yeah, okay. right, right, right. And, you know, I mean, we've all probably had to try to avoid one or two people out there in the world. Imagine when you're locked up with them. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... Uh, and, 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 and to talk about that book, one of my big things, because honestly, you know, with my writing, I'm not like Dostoevsky or Charles Dickens, where everything in the book represents something, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the green grass represents, the, um, you know, the, the downfall of society and the, and the white picket fence resembles childhood trauma or whatever. <laughs> right. oh, that's good but, because I don't usually yeah, pick up on that shit. Because that's like, oh, I never, yeah, you read that and you go, I never would have got that. Right. <laughs> right. But one thing I did do with Icebox particularly was, of course, he's in prison, so who is he going to encounter? Staff. Right. right. And, you know, one thing, I, I, I get so irritated with stuff like Shawshank Redemption or Orange is New, Orange is New Black and stuff where, all the officers are just depicted as bumbling or yes. incompetent yeah. or just, or totally corrupt and abusive. Corrupt and violent and, like, and abusive. Yeah. Just, yep. Right. And it's just, that's just not the majority mm-hmm. of the staff. There's always a few knuckleheads, but it's course, really but literally, it's a few compared to the yes. many people right. that do this job and they do it well and they do it with respect and kindness. Yes. And, I imagine right. after Grey's Anatomy's doc, Grey's Anatomy, oh, yeah. doctors and nurses were like, you know, I am not fucking every one of my coworkers, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's true. <laughs> and it does. It, it, it does. Especially, <laughs> it seems like correction guards, especially have been portrayed over the years as being 
like you said, buffoons and being violent and abusive. Mm -hmm. Oh, you guys, a CPS investigator always goes in with a lanyard and a clipboard and is the most ridiculous, dumbass, like has failed every child ever, you know, (laughs) in every story. (laughs) It's their fault. And I'm like, that's, first of all, I don't wear those cardigans. Okay. (laughs) Maybe kind of asking a question out of turn, but what made you, from your experiences, write about someone who I guess is on the other side of, mm-hmm. of the law? Well, that's actually a very good question. So um, I think I said earlier, I've always been a, a reader of crime, true crime and crime fiction. So mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated with like gangsters. Sure. And, uh, particularly like the mafia and whatnot. So, you know, I mean, my favorite movies are Godfather, Scarface, Goodfellas, Casino, The Departed, oh, sure. uh, Wolf of Wall Street. So I've always found those stories fascinating. Well, I think that's the thing, because I can remember as a kid, even though I had an interest in law enforcement, I mean, I would have been a a relatively young teenager, like when I read The Godfather and some of the other, you know, Mario Puzo novels and and seen, you know, so you almost have a fascination with that other side, I think, a little bit. Right. And so that's what that's what all my writing uh, centers on is just um, crime thriller. I've always liked to read about gangsters. So I started writing about them pretty much sure mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah and it's a lot of fun you know I, I like i like writing it you know a lot of the rise and falls and stuff and kind of you know kind of doing away with the romanticism and stuff and yeah. showing people kind of the ugliness of it a little bit but mainly my books are to entertain i mean mm-hmm. if you you know and, and and i'm honest about that now i mean if you get a message from from my book you know and it changes your life and says you know i don't want to go down this road I'm 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 happy for you. I'm glad I'm glad I did that for you. I'm sure there's people that thought about selling drugs and then they watch Scarface and they're like, oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get my arms chopped off in a shower. So yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like oh, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so but yeah, so like with Icebox, um, you know, when when Ice is in prison, he deals with staff and they're relatively neutral characters. You know, the most common character yeah. is the most common character is the officer that works his cell block regularly. And the, the first time he meets him, he says, hey, listen, um, I'm just going to let you know that, you know, do your time. You know, don't cause a ruckus. I'm not going to hammer you, but just don't make me have to do my job. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. Says, Which, says, yeah. OK, fair enough. Right. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so. So, so the only time, a lot of times, the only time the staff are mentioned is when, like, you know, ice gets involved in a fight, and then the staff flood the area, or when they show up on the yard because they have to take him to the hole because he, you know, he's under investigation or something, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and now I'm actually working on the third book in that series as we speak, Ice Rain, um, which puts ice back out on the street. He's now, you know, trying to put back, you know put his family life back together, um, you know, reassemble his crew, get back to business, you know, try to get back used to uh, uh, life outside of prison. And, of course, you know, it's not that simple because the uh, the gang leader that he answered to, well, they're having they're – having, he and them are having a couple issues with each other. A little um, bit of a kind of like a, Yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of the exact opposite of 
it's kind of like the exact opposite of Saul and David from the Bible, where like Saul was the king and Saul David is like, um, you know, this like up and comer and he got jealous and he like tried to do away with them. So yeah. it's kind of, Ice is kind of in that situation, but instead he's like David, except he's the exact opposite. I see. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. That sounds and really then, cool. uh, but yeah, so that's my ice series. And then I have two other books that I wrote. Uh, one was the Battle of Johnny Carlo, which I had a lot of fun with because it's got a lot of mafia um, <laughs> uh, influence in it. Okay, undertones. Uh-huh. Yeah. Johnny Carlo himself is a, is a hitman for the mafia. He represents, again, not, not, not all my characters and everything represents something, but Johnny Carlo does represent that romanticism with crime. Okay. Um, you know, he's a hitman, but he's got his own, quote-unquote, code of honor. No women, no kids, no cops, but times are changing. It's the modern times. The mafia is changing with them. They're getting more ruthless, and they conflict with his moral code. Oh. He says, you know what? I'm just, I'm just, I can't do this anymore. I'm done with the mafia. Well, it's, it's easier said than it's done. not that simple. So he, yeah. <laughs> so he ends up changing his name. Um, through some contact to get the... He goes down to New Orleans, gets a place to live, gets a job, and says, okay, I guess I'm a, I'm a regular Joe Schmo civilian now. Well, while we're down there, uh, we meet the second protagonist of this book, who is Leisha Abraham. Now, I've been talking about gangsters the past my, with my past three books. Now we're going to, to the opposite side. Leisha Abraham is a homicide detective in the New Orleans Police Department. Oh, okay. And okay. she's... She's everything a cop's supposed to be. She's smart. She's tough. She's dedicated. She's honest. And she's investigating these gangland murders in New Orleans. Okay. Now, the problem is, so there's a gang war going on. Here's a complicated matter. Her father, Frank Abraham, is the crime lord of New Orleans. Oh, okay. Oh, the apple my. fell far from the tree. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. What, what made so, you pick New Orleans? It was a... It, Aside from the fact that it's always been a place I wanted to visit, um, it was such a uh, a different culture shock for Johnny, who's you know this like New York City Italian mafia guy, and now he's in New Orleans, where sure. it's just a whole different world okay. for him yeah. down there. Well, I was curious, and I was going to ask you about uh, you know what authors that that you like and 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 maybe influenced you, but I don't know James Lee Burke, the the Dave Robichaux, Cajun detective novels. Have you ever written read any of those? Now you mentioned them, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. The no, same definitely. Thing. Just because, yeah, based out of uh, Iberia Parish, New Orleans, and this guy was originally a New Orleans cop, and so yeah, James Lee Burke is the author, and that's just what kind of jumped up to me was kind of that similar thing because I was always never been there, would love to go, but I've always been fascinated with how authors write about mm-hmm. Louisiana Other, and, and yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. So. I wish Megan was here because that's one of her favorite places yeah. and she's very knowledgeable about it. She's covered several cases from there. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to go someday, yeah. you know, and actually doing the research on that book really made me want to go. Oh, I so, um, <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, back to the story. So Johnny meets Leisha and, wouldn't you know it? They fall in love. Of course, oh, she looks go. great in an out, you know, yeah. a tight pair of pants. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, then Johnny finds out that the mafia that he used to work for has their sights set on New Orleans, and leashes in their way. Oh, oh boy! So Johnny picks his guns back up and goes back into the battle. So it's a question of will they walk up into the sunset together, or will they share a grave? Mm-hmm. And one thing I wanted to do with Leisha is because a lot of times. 
even when you have that that kind of that like action couple, um, the females kind of like uh, 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 what's the word? Uh, second chair to right. yeah, yeah, to to, to the, the the male protagonist. Well, right. Johnny's Johnny's the antihero. Mm-hmm. Leash is the true hero, um, and okay. she is just as much tough as he is, and that's that's I which guess, is an interesting see, twist. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Right. And and here, and you know, I I know I just said like five minutes ago that knows that not a lot of my uh, books represent stuff, but Leisha represents um, <laughs> the more uh, you talk yeah, about yeah, it, yeah. you're like actually maybe yeah, actually, not that I, yeah. <laughs> she is. Uh, like throughout the book, a few times the other characters kind of underestimate her. They know they know she's tough, but maybe she's dealing with a situation that, and she's in over her head. But I don't want to give it away. But there are quite a few scenes in there where you think it's like, uh oh, she's in trouble, mm-hmm. and then she ends up getting out of it on mm-hmm. her own. Okay. Um. So that's what I want to do, and I, I had a lot of fun writing her it was refreshing yeah, it sounds like, like fun hey you know i'm writing all these gangsters and, I, and now i get to write this about this cop who's just like this, the, the epitome of what a cop's supposed to be mm-hmm. yep very cool <laughs> i love that yeah wonderful so then you, oh go ahead i'm sorry i interrupted no no, no go ahead go so ahead. so who are some of your favorite writers or, or you know that you took influence from uh surprise surprise mario puzo okay yep <laughs> <laughs> Um, James Patterson. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I really enjoy his, um, especially his older books from the eighties and nineties, the unpredictability of like the Alex uh, Cross novels. Stories. Oh my God. I love Alex <laughs> yeah, Cross. I, I grew up, I grew up, I grew up, up with yep. like those characters are so fabulously written. Yes. I like, I, 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 grew, I grew up with his family. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I know right. exactly what yes. you're talking about. Yep, same. Like, <laughs> let me I'll ask say, you this: yeah, Were you disappointed say, when you watched the movies and it was nothing like you pictured him? I have not watched the movies. Don't I, I'll I tell you what? Just either. don't. Just don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do that either. Because yeah. I loved they, it so much that I want yeah. it to remain that way. Because they my describe head. him as a a younger Muhammad Ali, correct, or older? Yeah, at the time. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Oh, Which is kind great. of funny because because I like I like inwardly argued with James Patterson because for some reason I always pictured Alex, the Alex Cross character as like being like um like 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 having a bald head and with with glasses and stuff you know yes. but just being like a tough guy at that yep, and, yep. you know yep. I don't know that, that, that that's just how my brain works I don't know I like Maybe how you said how it. I, think I inwardly, argue inwardly argue with James Patterson right. well, and I apologize <laughs> I keep interrupting no he you, doesn't so. have hair. Yeah. Right. I don't know why he yes. No, he He's doesn't for me either. I don't know why that I is. I don't think I ever saw him with hair. No, or in my I mind. didn't. No, he doesn't have hair right. in my mind. It, I think it's it's the toughness thing. Yeah. Like so, I don't know, you know, Bruce Willis, right? Well, like it's yeah. just as a fellow bald guy, we're you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're the toughest. I'm getting there myself. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so what about some um, other writers? Uh, let's see. Uh, I. I read so much. Um, definitely Mario Puzo, James Patterson. Jonathan Mayberry's another one. Yes. Um, Which those are yeah. more, correct me if I'm wrong, a little more sci-fi-ish. Yes, right? yes. But, but but one thing that Mayberry and uh, Patterson do masterfully is that they create a hero that everybody loves. Yes. But the second 
so the, the second great part of that of their hero is the enemy. Correct. Mm-hmm. These people fabulously just diabolically despicable. Just evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I enjoy like I, I you really want to see just the villain go crashing down. Yep. You know, you you, mm-hmm. you just can't wait. You're following them. You're just like, oh, I, I just can't. I just can't wait till the hero takes you down. You're just, you're horrible. It's it's right. It's fun. It's fun watching you. You know, whatever. It's it's, it's enjoyable watching you be despicable. But when it comes down to I it, you know, yeah. when you go down. I'm gonna enjoy that part. Right. Um, what what right. about uh, Elmore Leonard? I don't know him. Um, <laughs> get shorty. Be cool. They they made movies out of it. Actually, the. Uh, I guess I didn't realize uh, that was based on a book. Justified, Raylan Givens, is actually based on a character. Oh, okay. I didn't, okay. I didn't realize that. Yep. Wow, Grandpa, um, I, teach us more. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you said that you were an avid reader, and I, you know, as a kid, and even as a as a cop, and I mean, I'm 51 years old, but I have read mostly fictional crime novels my entire life. Mm. Yeah. Even doing what I do for a living, I still enjoy. And I will be honest that I, as I've gotten older, I probably have gone more towards, the, as you say, the anti-heroes. Mm-hmm. For, I enjoy that perspective. Mm-hmm. So, Right. I, I would say one of my favorite nonfiction writers, um, but he's a true crime writer, would be T.J. English. Yeah, I have read some of his books. Oh, yeah. I love his work. Yeah. And I um, might not be familiar. I, I might have checked some of those out. So, yeah, so TJ should. English writes, he writes about a lot of, um, he really picks some interesting topics to cover when it comes to, so he writes a lot of books on organized crime. Like he wrote Havana Nocturne, which talks about um, the mafia's, uh, uh, their role in Havana um, before Castro took over. He talks oh, okay. about, he wrote this book about the corporation, which was about the Cuban mafia mm-hmm. here in, uh, in, in America. He wrote, um, was it Born to Kill, which was about yes. this, this like, uh, this like, what it, it was a Vietnamese yeah. street gang that was like responsible for this, all these robberies. And but of course, I think my favorite book he wrote, I haven't read all of his. This is my favorite one that he's of his that I've read was Paddywhack, which was the rise and fall of the Irish mob, which was before the mafia. Right. Okay. Paddywagon. Paddywhack. Petty Whack. Yeah, I haven't. Petty Whack. I, I'm okay. gonna have to check that one out. I haven't seen that one. That title makes me laugh. I'm not gonna lie. It does me <laughs> too. That's what, it draws me in. Like you know, that's why I'm like I've got to read that. But yeah. Petty Whack. Okay. Because Patty is, is is actually a term used for Irish people, so it's mm-hmm. like you know Patty Whack. Yep. You know Patty yep. Whack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like. I really love that play mm, okay. on words. I'll have yeah. To read that. For sure. So where can our listeners find your books? Um, they can find all my books are available on Amazon. Okay. And actually, you know what? I did have one. I have no, one please, more book yes, before reading. Yep. Please so, do. Yep. Yes, definitely. Um, so the last book that I published, uh, Life Star Corners, um, again, this was me pushing myself because these, this is actually a collection of short stories. Oh, okay. Um, wow. You yeah, really have a, a big array of like, you're trying out different things. I really like that. Yeah. Well, what I did with that was, Thank you, by the way. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, one thing I did with that was somebody, a few years back, there was this anthology, these people that were looking for short stories for an anthology. And it was kind of like a contest. And I submitted a story. They ended up not taking it. But I said, okay, you know what? 
if I, if that's not getting accepted, I'm just going to make my own collection of short stories. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. So I Why play by their them. rules? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, it, this was um, a stretch for me because, again, like I like to write about gangsters and stuff. And a couple of the protagonists in some of those stories, there's five of them, are criminals. But I also had civilians in there. Okay. Um, again, I like to break the mold. And one of my more well-talked-about uh, stories from there is called The Soldier's Widow, which is the second story. And it tells the story of this woman named Janine, who is she's a widow. And unlike most of my protagonists, she is a law-abiding citizen. Um, she's in her 70s. She is, you know, she's a grandmother. She has grown children. But she finds herself targeted by two hitmen, hmm. two wannabe hitmen. In her 70s. Okay. And, the question, and the question is why. I now, here's why, here's why I broke the mold with her, but I won't give too much away. Okay. She's called it. So these two hitmen say, all right, we're, we're going to take her out. Easy money. Well, so Janine's husband was a Vietnam War veteran, and he had brought his service weapons home, oh. and he taught her how to use them. Okay. Oh, dun, dun, dun. So grandma's kind yeah. of a badass. Yeah. Well, you know, she may not be Charles Bronson from Death Wish. Um, <laughs> Is it like Angelina but... Jolie from uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? <laughs> <laughs> when, when you were talking earlier um, about your other book within New Orleans, I was picturing Brad and Angelina Brad and being Angelina. In, in that, yeah. that that couple where they're like badass together, you know? Well, and not to spoil yeah. it, but with Janine is she, you know, sometimes you have these people that live completely normal lives, but then when they're painted into a corner, they show they can transform. What, what they're, what they're yeah. capable of. Yeah. Right. You know, well, well, with Janine, I just wanted it to be known that she's not a victim. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. She doesn't go on, on, a, on a campaign or anything that says, all right, you know what? Time to go to work. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> she's not repelling off the roofs or anything like that. <laughs> That's funny. No, but but there there is there is a, a pretty surprising scene where it's like, whoa, didn't see that coming. You know, mm-hmm. All right, Gino, okay. Good, yeah. Yeah. I'll, and I'll and bust down your door. <laughs> how how does it feel to create like I so know what you mean by like when you start these, you don't really necessarily know where they're going because I I very much understand that. Like being a creator and then just surprising yourself, you know, too, with like, oh, oh, hey, that's yeah, not, I didn't know that's where so we you, were going, I, but here we are. It's yeah. like you're channeling the ideas, you know. So when you and you had said it earlier, but when you when you write or, or you develop a character, you don't necessarily have an ending. Um, it depends because sometimes I think I do. Like I thought with a couple of my stories that here's how the, it would end. And then when it got to the point, I said, Oh, it can't end like that. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there, there are some times where I will give myself specific rules. Like, okay, this character, whoever, in whatever story, this character is not going to die. Like, no, okay. they will be yep. it to the end. But this person is definitely gonna bite it. That's why you. Like, <laughs> I'm they, not sure how, like, but they're gonna. Yeah. Yeah. 
like, like that's why I wrote you so like I created you so you yeah. could die. Right. You know? yeah. So that I could kill you off. You're yeah. a dick and you're gonna develop you're gonna die of a horrible death. That's I just haven't funny. figured out right. how yet. That's funny. Right. right. It's either, it's either a bus or a building. Anyway, so uh <laughs> Yeah. So real quick question um, before we get to where we can get your books. I, I just I before yeah. I forget this because I'm very curious. As a, as a, you know, as a, as a, I'm assuming you guys probably do, and maybe you don't do it obviously as much as law enforcement, but you, do you have to type reports? Type reports? Type yeah, reports, for your, yeah. For your job. Um, it depends on what happens. Oh, sure, you know? sure. Uh, okay, like, like, okay, so let's say there was a fight um, where a taser was deployed. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got to articulate, um, yeah. Yeah, you have to articulate. Of course, you have to articulate why you did, but like, you know, everybody else will have to file a report. Okay, so I hear there's a fight going on in a different housing unit. I tell my partner, "Hey, I'm going." I run, I run in there. I hear on the radio, "Taser deployed." Sometimes they, sometimes they don't. It just depends on the situation. Sure. You know, you don't have to say on the radio, but oh, right, right. Anyway, right. so 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 you run in there. Okay, there's two inmates laying on the ground. One's tased, the other one's getting cuffed up. I walk in there, I say, okay, the guy that's tased, I'm going to cuff him up. And I'm going to take him to the infirmary so he can get checked out. He was shot with a taser. Right. Um, The officer with the taser is going to walk with us because the probes are still on the guy's back. Sure. Mm -hmm. I have to fill out a report. Right. Because I I was involved in a situation where use of force was you mm-hmm. and obviously you need that documentation uh, right now now you know and, and all you gotta say is just what you did during that situation yep i heard i and I've, I've done these i heard there was a fight i ran to such and such unit um i assisted in escorting inmate so-and-so joe schmo he's a very popular guy yeah he really uh, is. he's everywhere he's quite the troublemaker yeah <laughs> yeah he went from he went from being a real guy to being a, <laughs> being a fictional character to being a real guy again. Right, right. I uh, no, I, I I assisted in I, I handcuffed Joe Schmo and I assisted in escorting Joe Schmo to the infirmary so that he could be medically cleared. Um, I then escorted Joe Schmo to the segregation area, um, and that's it. You know, and sure. I well, it, I remember one time. I remember one time, and I, I can talk about this, I can talk about this incident where an inmate had uh, fallen out; his his heart had stopped beating, and I applied um, the chest compressions, and we managed to uh, we had to shock him one time with the uh, with this AED, it's like a defibrillator, right? And he was brought back. So hold on, did, did that just? I think I did because I think his heart stopped, but. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure they had me saw a report for that. Oh, but, sure, probably. You know, you know, it, it was said I observed that inmate so and so had fallen to the floor and was not breathing. I then radioed for uh, healthcare staff to report to such and such unit. I then performed chest compressions um, at the at the uh, uh, the rate that we're directed to uh, per, per policy. Um, yeah, and then I assisted in. Uh, uh, helping the inmate, uh, uh, the paramedics get the inmate into the ambulance, you know, and sure. that was it. Right, right. 
So the reason I kind of asked that question is I've always thought, like, man, it'd be neat to, like, write down, even just, like, write down some of my own personal stories about my life and all that. But as a, as a law enforcement officer, I absolutely hate to type reports. <laughs> so with you writing the books, I'm curious, how do you write? Do you write them on a, on a probably not a typewriter, but, like, on a computer? Do you dictate them? I guess kind typewriter. of a technical no, question. I, no, I, I love how Wes is like, I'd like to be an author, but I hate writing I reports hate writing. for my job. <laughs> so, so, so where I live, I have a lot of rocks and I have a chisel. And, <laughs> no, uh, so. no, actually, um, I use my phone. I okay. have uh, Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I, I have an app on my phone that I used to, I, I found it and I was like, you know what? I'll write on this. Da, 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 and, Four books later. Oh, <laughs> wow, okay. That's amazing. You Are don't you, even. Can you, let's, uh, can you share that yeah, app? Yeah, what is that app? Pages. Pages, you guys okay. have, uh, If you have an iPhone, it's available on iPhone. I don't know if Android has it, but I iPhone have an iPhone. Pages app. Pages. Pages, yeah. okay. Pages, yep. So you basically, like, you talk, obviously, dictate into the phone. It does it, and you, that works pretty good for you? I, I guess for I type it, pretty much. It's like. You know, I, I I pretty much type it, okay. and yeah, I mean it. I don't know. It's like I I, I just started doing it because I you know I originally I was using my tablet, um, and then my kid broke it, so <laughs> I was like, well, you know, yeah, I, that's not I gonna work. I got my phone. I don't have a computer at home, so I said, all right, I've got my phone, which honestly has been very convenient for me because sometimes, sure. um. You know, I'm off doing an errand, and I'm like, well, you know, since I'm waiting for this medication, let me go ahead and right. put some stuff down. Okay. Yep. How about that? You know? I literally asked what that app was because I drive a lot, you know, for my job, and that is typically how I do my research for the podcast is I listen to audiobooks oh. um, while I'm driving. And so when I'm when I'm stopped and there's something that I want to really remember, you know, a date or something like that, I jot it down, jot it down in the notes of my phone. Sure. But if I mm-hmm. had like something that could, I've always said I would really like to find something that could put this together. Like I could actually have my my whole case on my phone on instead phone. of having to have my laptop, you know, with me to to put it all together. Just because I am typically doing my research in many different ways, not in front of my laptop. Right. Right. <laughs> so. I'm going to look into that app. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, that. I'm definitely going to check it out, too. But that is fascinating to me that you, okay, once again, you didn't identify as an author. You've now written, you're working on your fifth book, and and from your phone at that. Like, that is that is really amazing. That's awesome, yeah. I also hey, wanted to point something out when you were talking earlier about the, the book where um, when Ice is in the icebox, when he's in prison, and you really have made the, the um, officers, the correction officers, you know, neutral for the most part. Has, do you think that it has helped you be a better or more efficient or, or I just, I don't know, help you step back a little bit from your role being a corrections officer when you, in order to write that, you really have to put yourself in ICE's spot, right? Like in order to write about his experiences, you have to take your mind and think about how he would be experiencing these, what being a prisoner would be like. Do you think that that might help you like in the long run with your job of just like having a bit more empathy for what they, or understanding of what they might be going through because you've, you've put yourself in that position and wrote a whole character's experiences of it. You know, that's actually a very good question. Um, that is a very I've good never question. actually been asked that before. Um, I win. You know, <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll I'll add this one to the list. Um, (laughs) You know, that is a very interesting question. Man, I was not expecting that one. (laughs) (laughs) You you stumped me. Uh, I like it. I like it. You know, I'll say this. The the, the way I've really kind of seen these guys hasn't really changed much since I've been writing. But I will say that if somebody else kind of picks that up when they're writing, if they are – you know, become a crisis officer and they're reading my book, which a lot of my coworkers actually are reading my book. Good. Um, you know, if, 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 if that does kind of change their perspective on it, um, then, you know, I really hope it does. And that's mm-hmm. part of what I did with that, with that book was to kind of, I really, one of my strengths of, one of my many strengths of, as a writer is my characters and kind of the relationships with, other characters so with ice he's throughout the series he's playing this really balancing act between his life on the street and his life with his family his mom his dad his brother his sister his relation you know his uh girlfriend you know his his friends um and that you know so that plays a pretty prominent role in icebox he has to maintain these relationships with his family via visits and mm-hmm. um you know phone calls and stuff and you know trying to stay close with them during this time in uh in prison so yeah. i mean that is something that that you know i kind of want the public to see is that you know these guys these guys admittedly they do have some stress being oh, sure. incarcerated yeah. right. and a lot of that is is uh you know just being close to their family being able to them yeah. um knowing you know, what's going on in their trying lives to be a father to their kids you yep. know like yep i couldn't that that's the one thing where, where like i really don't have sympathy but i can have empathy i have three definitely kids, right 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 the idea of being locked up away from them i mean it's hard doing a 16 hour day oh yep. sure yeah you know yep. i do 16 hour days it, it's hard sometimes because yep. i miss my kids i miss my wife and it's like want to hog them and stuff. And I can only imagine some of these guys, some of these yep. guys are doing life sentences and they have a six year old little girl at home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like how like, you said like, that you, you can't have, you know, you don't have sympathy, but you have empathy. I do think that sometimes people confuse empathy for like excusing someone's behavior. No, I, I right. have this conversation with my boys. Like you can have empathy for someone who also is a creator of their own reality and you can see how they have created these problems for themselves. But at the same token, empathize with how difficult that reality is for them. And that's a huge part of what we do as law enforcement. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like my, like my, like I don't have, like I really don't have sympathy, so I'm not going to feel bad for you, but I have empathy. So if you are willing to try to better yourself, I'm more than willing to, you know, give you a little bit of advice as, as much as I'm allowed to, yes, you know, right. like I'm not going to, sure. I'm, you know, I'm not going to, you know, say, well, you need to move to Ann Arbor because it's perfect. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> this right. is where you need to be. Well, no, I, no, but, but no, it's it, it like, you know, so how do I, you know, whatever, get a job. Well, you know, you're still on application, right. <laughs> you, know, or, yeah. you know, or, you know, or, or, you know, if you're whatever, if you want to go to trade school or, this mm-hmm. and that, and, you know, this things that. Like, like, yeah, I'm willing, you know, and I'll encourage you to, to do whatever, you know, like, you know, or, yeah. you know, I read, I read this book one time called Law of Success by Napoleon Hill, and it was 
works great for me. You should check it out. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, yes, exactly. See, things like that. Still not condoning what got them in there, but just helping them better themselves. If you're really trying to make an Mm -hmm. effort, these are some of the things you should check out. Right, right. Sure, I'll check the book out. Can you bring it in? No, no. no, (laughs) I'm not going to bring it in. Yep, yep. That's not happening. But you use your resources, and if you get it, I think you'd like it. Yeah, Exactly. You know? I just just think that that would... I don't know, kind of thinking from that perspective, I think that that would make me more likely to want to read your book. And I I do want to read your books, by the way. But I think just knowing your perspective of being being in the corrections field and and whatnot, like I I would be interested in reading that and how you bring that all together, because whether you realize it or not, you you were bringing a skill set that you use at work into how you you know, put yourself into their position. And, and I'm sure that that does affect how you treat these people every day. And, and that's not a bad thing. And I think maybe more of us need to do that in our everyday jobs. <laughs> so definitely. And where can we get the books at? Yes. Back to that. Um, so all of my books are available on Amazon. That is uh, ice rising, ice box, the ballad, Johnny Carlo and life start corners um, by James Michael, that's M-I-C-H-E-L-S, because, mm-hmm. you know, yes. Amazon, like, I'll correct my name. Yes, um, I understand. <laughs> Try having the name Charnel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right? Well, right. no, I mean, it's a great name, but, you know. <laughs> no, I get it. There's struggles. There's struggles. And would yeah, you, my, I'm can, sorry? No, I was going to say, make sure that you um, send me the links because I will post all of the links to your books in our show notes of this episode. And um, when we do our social, our posts on our socials, I will link it the, those there as well. Most definitely. Well, um, my my website, I'll also have to send you okay. that as well. Please I have a do. website. It's, yeah, it's jamesmichaelsbook.com. And on there, you know, people can check out my books of course they're on there i have my links to my social media accounts if people you want to follow me on twitter facebook uh instagram um i also have my email subscription so anybody that wants to you know stay in touch with me that wants to get updates on uh, my upcoming books deals events just additional content whatever please sign up for that Mm -hmm. and of course my personal email is also there on in the Website for anybody though, just like to contact me directly, anything like that. And yeah, I'm welcome to it. So yeah, all my books are available. All my books are available on Amazon for Kindle, uh, Kindle Unlimited as well, and paperback. The Ballad Johnny Carlo Carlo also has a hardcover version. Oh, okay, wonderful. Do you have any audio versions? Not yet. I'm actually um, looking into making that a project for later this year. Actually, perfect. But that is wonderful. I actually considered just quitting my job and doing audio books for people. There you <laughs> just, go. I'm like, got all this podcast equipment. <laughs> Why am I not just, I love to read. Why am just I not just books, recording myself reading these books <laughs> for them? Right, exactly. Uh, well, thank you <laughs> so much for your time today. Um, we really, really appreciate it. And I love your perspective that we have not been able to bring to our listeners um, thus far. So everybody go out, grab James Michael's books. Um, they're out there. They're linked in the show notes. Also with his... Uh, um, um, website. Sorry, I don't know why I'm saying um so much. It's, um. it's, it's been a day. Uh, yeah, so 
that's all there and and look out for our socials because we'll post his as well so thank you again so much is there anything else that you want our listeners to know um happy reading there we go all perfect right, good talking all right to you. yes thanks and make so good much. choices yes exactly. <laughs> and make good choices that we're, sure. we're going into the summer months in prison. There's not a lot of, you know, it, 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 it can get hot in there. So, you know, there's no, there, it, it's hot and it's crowded. And yeah. uh, just make sure that you make, make good, good choices. decisions. I like that. Good choice. If you're feeling like you want to be a badass, just read these books yeah. and live through ice yeah. any, you know, that way. And then, then you can save yourself from being in actual prison. So I appreciate that. All right. Thanks so much. Really, really appreciated talking to you today. Thank you for having me on. Yep. It was a pleasure. Yes. Take care. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. And I guess this is how we just I end. guess that's uh, how we ended Guys, yeah. yes, that's how we ended it. I'm going to um, go home and check out the book. I, me too. I'm not, a, as you can tell, I'm not a reporter. I don't I do not do good interviews. So I'm just like, okay, how do we end this? Yeah. All right. So, so now, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed this and check out the links in the show notes. And until next time, keep it curious. Keep listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.